Well, hello everyone. I'm Reverend Carla. Welcome to Spirituality Matters. And now I invite you to settle in and let's find that sacred space between here where I am and there where you are. And let us be reminded that the Holy transcends our physical bodies and our time together is just as sacred and meaningful as if we were sitting beside one another. Okay, let's get started. Today's podcast is entitled, Leaving Church is Not Enough. Why rejecting your faith is different than deconstructing from it. It's a big title, isn't it? Lots to cover today. Now, we're going to also hit the ground running and dive into some deep aspects of spirituality that touches on abuse and religious trauma. So that's just a gentle warning as we begin this podcast, because I have had so many experiences in social media, especially on TikTok. I've been there now for about 18 months, and I'm sure that's where some of you have found me, and I appreciate all of you so very much. But honestly, when I first came to TikTok, I had never heard of the phrase deconstructing my faith. I had called it things like I'm untangling from my religious experiences, I'm unlearning my uh, Christian beliefs, or I'm peeling back the indoctrination of my religious heritage, all these things that don't really fit nicely on a business card, but I didn't know what it, what to call it. And when I got there, I found other people who were calling it deconstructing deconstruction. And I like that it does fit because it's very much what you're doing. Um, there's an indoctrination uh, process. That's part of any faith system, I believe, especially in organized religion. And in order to get to the core of what you're being called to, to be or to understand who you are, it is about peeling those back or deconstructing from those things. So I like that word deconstruction. It certainly talked um, about my journey. And today I'm going to talk a little bit more about that and the many ways people are deconstructing and where they land once they do deconstruct. But I want to dive in, first of all, to a, a couple of important things. So I I don't know if you remember, but I turned 60 in 2021. I still can't believe it. It sounds like, oh, are you kidding me? Uh, but I'm, it is what it is. And I'm embracing aging uh, gratefully. And so this, is a, this has been an interesting time for me. Uh, but also to say that I'm a late deconstructionist is putting it mildly. I'm in a, especially in the social media realm, I don't know that there's uh, many, too many people older than I am. I, I know there's some, some followers, but those who are actively creating content about deconstructing, I'm not, I'm not so sure, but I think my grandmother vibes certainly helps a lot of what's going on there. But it, at the end of the day, I try to be something I'm not. I, I'm not trying to be something I'm not. So um, I think that helps a little bit with what my content is there and how people um, resonate to what's happening with our messages. But I was the perfect candidate for indoctrination into evangelical religion. And I'm not saying that the entirety of evangelicalism relies on people who have experienced trauma, but there is a correlation between the two. And remember at the beginning, I said, we're going to dive right into this. So this is your trigger warning that I'm going to talk a little bit about abuse and trauma, domestic abuse and violence and things like that. So if this is a topic that you aren't prepared to lean into, I suggest that you fast forward or maybe skip this episode entirely because I can understand how that can be emotional for some of you. But according to a study published in the UK, people who were abused as children 
are more likely to be abused as adults. And more than half, about 51% of adults who are abused as children experience some kind of domestic abuse in later life. Now, according to another source from the National Center of Biotechnology, we carry that trauma with us throughout our lives and it can manifest differently for different people. And I know that especially trauma-informed therapists understand this. And that's why when you go to therapy, a wise therapist will immediately start asking you about your past. And they also know the red flags. Look for those red flags if your first uh, response to that is, I don't want to talk about my past, because it does mean that there are some wounds there that probably have not been addressed over time. But what does all this data mean? It means that when we are presented with a situation where someone is seeking to control, abuse, gaslight, manipulate us in any way, if we are not equipped with the adequate coping skills and have learned to deal with the trauma that we may be carrying with us, then we are at risk of being susceptible to a various levels of abuse in our lives. And that's how oftentimes religious trauma shows up. Again, I'm not saying that's the entirety, but for many of us who have experienced religious trauma, and all you have to do is go look at how people are, are uh, unpacking their stories to heal from this trauma in, social, in the social media realm. And I'm so grateful for that because I think that that is a uh, platform with some unexpected good that I didn't even know was going to be there. So this can show up in different ways. So in religion, it can show up as religious trauma, as I said, spiritual gaslighting, which is where you are told one thing and is presented as facts. And because you are in the minority in some way, your voice is silenced. I know I had that uh, happen to me several times. I just shared a video where I pushed back on some church leaders who had made a very controversial decision outside of uh, the, the other church leaders. And when I challenged that decision, it was pushed back on me that I carried a spirit of offense. I didn't get any answers, but it was pushed back on me that I was the one carrying the spirit of offense because I questioned the church leaders' decisions. That's gaslighting. Because if we're showing up as respectful adults, instead of looking at ways where you can have try to um, pick at someone and make them question their ability to stand as toe-to-toe with you as adults, then that's gaslighting. And that's how it shows up in religion. It can also show up as coercion, where we might fear sin, or where we might become blindly obedient to church leaders, because if we are, we pledge allegiance to our faith, then we infer that we are in, um, we are pleasing God. And that is reinforced in the sermons you're hearing from the pulpit and in your communication in your spiritual community. You're told that if your faith is weak, if you or your family member gets sick, then that means that your faith is weak. Or you're guilted into working, given to the point that it, to the point where it negatively impacts your emotional, your spiritual well-being, your personal life, but you feel obligated to 
give financially or to give of yourself personally to a way in a way that compromises your personal life. I very distinctly remember hearing a pastor one time saying that if you have time to play video games on Saturday, then you have time to be at church. My friends, that's manipulation. You have a right to your personal time. That This is where we don't have time to get down in, into the weeds about this today, but we might do, to this, do this in the future where this free versus paid services that are inside ministries, especially ministries that do not reveal their finance, finances, do not tell you who's on payroll, do not tell you how much they're being paid. Oftentimes you will see a very tight group of people who are extremely loyal to a family ministry or however this church is structured versus everyone else who might even be putting in more hours on a regular basis and not even being considered for payment because you're doing the work of the Lord to a sacrificial level. There, That's an unspoken um, code, if you will, of things that sometimes happen in the church. I will tell you, this story just came to me and I completely actually forgot about it. My husband and I traveled um, around the world a couple of times for his, for his work. And one time we were in Australia and we were literally going to be there 24 hours. And what did I do with my time? Yes, I got to go see a um, koala sanctuary and some beautiful, beautiful sights. But during the day, I went to Hillsong Church. I was ecstatic to do that. And the day I was visiting, I was able to go to a woman's group. And we're not talking just a small coffee. We're talking hundreds of women who came together every week. And on the big screen were the founders of Hillsong Church. And they had a group of women there who were talking about their volunteerism in the church. And one of them was openly saying how exhausted she was. And uh, Bobby Houston, who is the wife of Brian Houston, started to talk. And basically, now this is when I'm still deeply indoctrinated, but I would, I would have these, this conflict arise and I would just feel myself guilty because it's like, why am I challenging this? And I could see this, this woman sharing her story about having four kids, uh, working a, a paid job, and then also all the volunteer work that she was doing for the church. And Bobby said, your work is so important. How can I help you? I'll come over and do your laundry. So it's so important that we, we help each other out. So in other words, she was showing other women how to pick up the pieces in other women's lives so that the women who were, who were indoctrinated into that church, who felt obligated to sacrifice their well-being to continue to do the work that someone else was going to have to come over to her house and do the laundry. And when Bobby Houston is the one who's offering to do that, you would stop and be like, oh my gosh, she's offering to do my laundry. I must really have my priorities messed up if, if Bobby Houston is, ask, is offering to do that. And I remember thinking, this is off. We shouldn't have to be at this sacrificial level of giving, but that is what the indoctrination is. And now you're on this big 50-foot screen listening to the founder of this mega church telling you that, yes, that's what we need for the work of the Lord. This plays out across uh, evangelical uh, Protestantism all the time. But why is this important? Why is it important to understand this? I mean, you might love the work that you're doing for your church. And I trust me, no judgment here on that. 
But if it's to the point where it's manipulative and hurting you, then it's time to take a look. So what this means is if we don't change things about ourselves, if we do not heal from our trauma, then we are destined to repeat these patterns in our lives that do not serve our highest good. Did you catch that? Healing ourselves allows us to show up in our lives to serve our highest good, which means our families, our well-being, our spirituality, we, we can prioritize that or we are going to start repeating things where we allow people who know how to manipulate other people to get what they want. So what ends up happening is we get into these cycles and it influences our health, our well-being, our future, and of course, our spirituality. So what deconstructing is, is allowing us to turn away from and silence the influence of where we have come from so that we can clearly hear and understand where we are going. If there has been an experience inside your religious heritage that has shifted you so strongly that it is time for you to silence that influence so that you can look forward to see where you're being called. The only way you can do that is if you understand that you're being called into active participation to do that. So that also means that not just looking at how re our religious beliefs have, have impacted us, it's about the entirety of our lives. Because more than likely, if you've had a negative experience in religion, in organized religion, some of that could be related to how you show up in your life, some things that you haven't addressed so that because when you show up anywhere, you're the full package. You're, the full, you're bringing everything, you're bringing all of your life experiences. And if you're coming from the, a place of not being able to um, look at your past trauma and look at your experiences, then you're going to bring it with you. And it's the same, it's the exact, exact same with deconstruction. So once we say, all right, it is time for me to walk away from religion and, and get and silence the noise or whatever it is, leave a church or do the deconstruction while you're in church. There's no fast and hard rules about how you do this. For me, it was leaving church entirely. Other people, it isn't. But it is a commitment to a new path that requires work. And let me tell you why this is important. So one of the first videos that I did on uh, TikTok that went viral was about affirming the LGBTQIA plus community to live authentically and to live without fear and shame and, and fear of internal eternal damnation because so many of them have been brought up to believe that being gay is a sin. And uh, I grabbed a, a catchy trend at the time, went off, and it's I think it's like even now at 3.1 billion million views. I can't remember. It still grows. Every once in a while, all of a sudden, I'll start getting hundreds of comments, which means it's getting pushed back out there again. But someone commented that, look, I'm an atheist, and but I grew up reading the Bible, and you need to stop lying to people because being gay is a sin. I was absolutely fascinated by that comment. Now, first of all, I'm not, 
I've learned not to get into a debate with, with people that say being gay is a sin. It isn't. I'm talking to the people who want to heal from this trauma. And while there's several different roads you can take about why we should release that condemnation, um, and we can go, again, I don't want to get too distracted here about this, but mine is that the Bible has been mistranslated. Other people will say it's been taken out of context. Other people say that, that that's uh, historical relevance of the time. Why are we applying it now? But anybody who steadfastly, firmly wants to believe that it's in there, none of that logic is going to make a difference. They're going to say it's a sin. So now I had this atheist who was obviously rejected religious beliefs, but yet holding firm to come into this comments and say this. And that's basically what I said back. I'm just like, I'm confused. If you're an atheist, you know, I'm not going to argue the point about sin. I'm asking, why do you feel the need as someone who no longer is being held captive by religious beliefs and no longer has a belief about any kind of infinite being that is the, majest the majesty over all creation? Why do you feel the need to come in here and say, I'm lying to people, people that are openly hurting about this, why would you contribute to that pain? And it got very heated. He he always wanted to come back to I was lying. Look, I don't have. He he would he's like, how oh, you're crazy. I don't care about this. But obviously, you did because this went on a long time, and he would not answer my question. He absolutely would not answer my question. He was proud of being a self-proclaimed atheist, but he was steadfastly going to hold on to the fact that this was the truth and he didn't care who, who it hurt. Now, what I finally, I, I pushed him so far that he finally ended up blocking me. Um, he deleted all his comments and he blocked me. And I was really sad about that because I wanted other people to see that those comments were there so that they could see the exchange to try to understand sometimes. But since that experience, I have had that happen several times, enough for me to know that the difference between rejecting your religious beliefs, like just rejecting them from your life and turning to a new path or deconstructing from your religious beliefs. And those two things are entirely different. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So because what happens is for, so for those of us who are on a deconstructing uh, path, you might end up being like I am spiritual, but not religious. You might end up just calling yourself agnostic. You might end up being an atheist or a humanist. You might end up going back to church. You might end up in a different religious pr uh, practice. There's no hard or fast rules. And even so, sometimes I get uh, accused of trying to proselytize people out of church. That is not the case at all. I want you to pause and be quiet and do enough of the work that gives you spiritual accountability, returns your spiritual integrity to you so that someone else isn't telling you how to interpret what it is that your, your, your path is. I believe that our spiritualities are just as unique as each person's fingerprints. So if that's the case, the only way you're going to be able to understand what your path is, is by taking ownership of that, doing the work and exploring 
these things for your highest good, because so many of us came to beliefs and religion just because our, we were born into a family or because of our demographics or our geographical location. It has nothing, uh, it has nothing else to do with anything that really resonates with what's happening inside us. I believe that even our ancestral uh, influences can have, can point us into different ways. And so it's so interesting and exciting to want to explore those. At least it is, at least it is for me. But the important thing is, is that we start to understand that our indoctrinated religious beliefs have influenced our lives just as much as our cultural, our familial, our educational, our political alliances have or our, our, our experiences. And the blog that goes along with this, and don't forget, I always have show notes where you can resource some of my documents, some of the, um, the, the resources I have for this, this podcast. But in the blog that always accompanies the podcast, uh, I talk about a, a, a comment that I was monitoring on one of a video where I was talking about Someone asked me about, do I believe in God or what is my understanding of God? And I love those questions. These questions keep getting deeper and deeper and it's so much fun to go into them. But someone said how glad she was that she was deconstructing from religion because she felt more free than she ever was before. However, she went on to say she was sad that she will not get to see her family in heaven. And, and she has accepted that she's going to hell. Okay, now. So she says she's deconstructing, but she's holding on to some indoctrinated beliefs. I'm not saying that's wrong. Let me be very, very, very clear here. Your beliefs are your beliefs and deconstructing can take many different forms and the end result can be different for each person. You don't have to be deconstructing from anything or to anything. And there are no hard and fast rules because deconstructing in order for it to be effective, should include a peeling back of indoctrinated beliefs to see them outside the construct of your religious heritage, as well as a commitment to heal from religious trauma. That's a big chunk of stuff. That means reading, journaling, praying and meditating, finding people within your circle of influence, asking questions, going to therapy, seeking spiritual counseling. It's, an, it's actually more work than just parking yourself in a pew each week and being spoon-fed from the pulpit. But it's also more rewarding when you are empowered with your spirituality because it's authentic. It's you and you've done the work. But also what ends up happening without the commitment of doing the work, there is a risk of holding on to biases and prejudices that will continue to impact how you are showing up. Now, especially we're seeing this in Christianity, in particular, the modern Americanized Christianity, because this side of Christianity has a dark history that is entrenched in white supremacy, and that is going to impact your biases and prejudices. Even the most avid advocate who's coming out of a Christian experiences needs to decolonize their faith. It absolutely has to be a part of your experience because you don't know where those pockets are hiding. So that also means that we may disagree about some of the ways that 
scripture may be interpreted, which was happening with my conversation with this atheist from almost two years ago now. That's what was happening. But what it also means that deconstructing, and for me being de deconstructing it unchurch, it means that I have rejected the power that the Bible has over me in the context in which it was presented to me in my religious heritage. I still use the Bible. As a matter of fact, right before recording this, I was deep into a study of Job to talk about God and suffering, which we're going to talk about next week. But when you do deconstruct to that level, you're living, you're living free from the dogma that you, at one time may have had influence on, over you. And you understand that the, the Bible is largely written in a mythical language that tells stories from another time. And that if it's taken out of context, it can be very, very harmful. Because let's face it, we see it all the time. There are people who say, I'm a sin because I'm a female ordained minister. Uh, and they'll use the words of Paul to enforce that, but then say nothing about what Paul says about um, that slaves should obey their masters, even though that was actually radical language, because at the time people were not treating their, their slaves well, but we, we, we have to understand that in the, in the time of Paul, slavery was an accepted cultural standard, where now we find it, or we should find it abhorrent and repulsive and disgusting. But yet we hold on to the words from Paul to condemn women in ministry, but we release that to say, well, that's out of context to historical, historical basis. What that ends up really being is Christians who worship Paul's theology over the reality of what the Bible shows, but we're not going to go down in that, that rabbit hole either. But what ends up happening is, oh my goodness, you can cherry pick. And any one of us, my friends, any one of us who's picking out a Bible verse can be accused of this. But if you're going to go around doing this and, and really look at Paul's theology, you are really good about getting on a ladder in that cherry tree of verses and getting on the very top and pick them out to be able to condemn any group who, is, who has been historically oppressed in some time or another by people who have wielded Bible verses to oppress them. And that has happened in our country, whether it's at the beginning with slavery, whether it's with women's rights and, and the LGBTQIA plus and now indigenous and people of color. We have seen this over and over again, where people will justify that oppression using Bible verses. So don't assume what this means is, I'm going to back this up now because I've got a lot of stuff hanging out there. But what this means is that if you are on a commitment to turn away from your religious indoctrination, that commitment should include a active deconstruction so that you understand where those biases and prejudices are so that you can unlearn and show up in the world as a better version of yourself. If you don't, what ends up happening, you get in a conversation on TikTok where someone says being gay is not a sin, and you as an atheist decide to come in and say, I'm an atheist, I don't have a dog in this fight, but I'm going to go ahead and let you know that it's a sin and you're lying. And you leave those words hanging for someone else to come along who has been traumatized by people who have condemned them 
and judged them and persecuted them and outed them and rejected them from their family, from the only people who have loved them and have had influence over their life, you just reminded them that this book was used against them. When all you have to do is say, you know, I'm not sure I agree with you. I do believe that those verses were uh, show that the Bible was homophobic, but I agree with you that they should not be condemning the LGBTQI plus community. Do you see the difference? Do you see the shift? It's not enough just to show how, how arrogantly right you are. It's about being so mindful of how you're showing up so that you take accountability for that. If deconstructing doesn't, doesn't challenge you to that, then I will be so bold to say that you're doing it wrong. Because when we are out here as adults, everything we do, everything we say has consequences. Our words and our actions matter. Someone is watching, especially, especially in the public realm. That's what I could not get that person to see was that I really don't care if you think I'm right or wrong. We can have this debate all day as long as we're holding the space for the people who were impacted and harmed repeatedly. And how many people read that person's comments and spiraled back into those feelings of rejection and condemnation when they're trying to work through it? Because what did I start with at the very beginning? People who have been traumatized run a greater risk of moving back into that or being triggered by that trauma in some way. And the only way we as mindful, compassionate people can help them is to be aware enough that our words matter and that we care enough to care that our words matter. So that is the difference between rejecting your religious heritage and deconstructing from it and why one can certainly free you from it, but does it help you in the long run become a better version of yourself if you are not actively doing the work? Now, I think of my own deconstruction journey that found me many times on the floor as I grieve the loss of my religious heritage. And I'm grateful to the men my mentors who lovingly guided me through my spiritual care and shedding of all those beliefs. Sorry about that. That is my alarm to tell me to go pick up my grandson. So we're going to have to get this, get this done. It also, I had to learn, unlearn the fact that I had been taught that Christianity was superior to everything else, that nothing else mattered. I just watched um, John MacArthur. You can, you can Google him. I'll, uh, if I think of it, I'll put it in the, in the show notes. I, I know who will put it in the show notes. McKinsey is so good at that. Talking about why he did not agree with freedom of religion, even though that's clearly in our constitution, he didn't agree with it because why would we agree with that? It's the truth. And he got a standing ovation from that. We live in a country where we are supposed to have separation of church and state, and he's standing there saying that he will not support that because only one religion is true. And you want to see why we are where we are today when you hear leaders, church leaders like that talking so arrogantly? And I think about the thousands of people who are actively doing this work of deconstructing. I meet them every day in social media. I see their hundreds 
of DMs and emails. And I'm going to say this again, my friends, if you are waiting for a response from me, thank you for being patient. We simply do not have the system in place to be able to answer questions outside of what I can get to. And eventually we will have those systems in place, but just be patient as you wait. Because I know oftentimes you are my messages or even what we're doing on the website, numasoul.com, it resonates so deeply with you that you just need to pour out your life story. I want you to know that we see them. We just don't have the resources right now to be able to, to be able to answer those, but we will be And every day. These, these messages come in, but here's what I don't do. I no longer waste my time engaging with people who have rejected religion, but haven't deconstructed from it. I will not get into another conversation with somebody like I did with that atheist. And I will not get into a conversation with an evangelical at the same time who wants to debate whether I'm wrong. It, it's going to end up at the same place. Either place that a person who's not deconstructing from their religion and holding tight to it or someone who has rejected their religion but has not actively done the work, it's going to end up in the same place and it's a lost cause. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna argue with them. I'm keeping my eyes on you. I'm keeping my eyes on you so that we can continue to show up and do this work. I feel this the shift in what in, in our relationship, in our community. I, I see it in your questions, I read it, I see the videos that you duet. With the stuff that we create, I'm so, so honored. But here at the end of the day, if you're not sure, if you're not sure whether or not you are committing as much as you should to deconstruction, here's what I invite you to do. Every time someone like me or one of the other deconstructing creators that you're following teaches you something, it's an invitation for you to hold a mirror and look at what we're saying, because we're either sharing our stories or we're telling you pain points of people that we have, stories that we've told or things that we know that could help you. How many times do you hit that mirror out of our hands? Because you don't wanna see the reflection back in you. Those are the places where you're resisting change. Those are the places most likely that are very close to a tender spot that needs healing. That's some more peeling back that needs to happen. And of course, be gentle with yourself. Give yourself the space you need, but don't, don't hit the mirror out of our hands. Stay with us and look inside at what needs to change for you. Each day I'm, I'm given a mirror. When I look at my deconstructing journey and I keep it as deconstructing because I wanna be reminded that I'm always on it even though I've been on this path for 10 years. The work never stops. You know, Just like keeping your mind fresh and your body in shape, there's a side of this that always requires a constant nurturing and that's exciting. That's not a burden, at least not to me and I want it to be that way for you. So when I offer you that mirror, Look deep into it and see what resonates with you, what can change, what needs healed, what's asking for light inside you, and then join us and do the work. The work is worth it. You beautiful souls, blessed be. Okay, beloveds, I'm so honored to be in this space with you. I pray that you receive something I know I did because the teacher teaches what she needs to hear. And now, dear ones, go in peace and be at peace. Go in love and may you be loved. Go and know that others are on this journey with you and you are not alone. You are seen and deeply and unconditionally loved. 
just the way you are. Blessings on your week, and I will see you soon. Thanks for listening. Be sure to like and subscribe to Spirituality Matters wherever you listen to podcasts. You can watch the uncut version of today's episode on YouTube. Be sure to like and subscribe to Rev Carla's channel for more videos. Submit questions for upcoming Q&A videos or topics of discussion to spiritualitymatters at revcarla.com. As always, follow at Rev Carla on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Pinterest for more spirituality teachings. Bye for now!